Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness me, that sounded very loud, didn't it? Oh, so how are you on this lovely Thursday morning? Well, is it lovely? Is it lovely, lovely weather where you are? Hopefully it will be here. Oh, it started off really nice yesterday, but then it got rainy. So my washing got wet on the line, which I wasn't very happy about. But never mind, never mind. So back to work today um, and tomorrow. I assume you are at school today. Ooh, what are you going to learn? And are you going to be able to teach your teachers anything? Do you know what? We have had an impossible question from one of my listeners. Um, do you know what? I love the input and feedback and messages and anything from my listeners um, and I asked if there was anybody who had an impossible question out there and Benjamin in Wales you have asked one so we are going to answer that question today um, but first of all we're going to give you the two answer the not answers, the two questions, the last two questions in our quiz. Are they going to be hard? Are they going to be easy? <laughs> well, they're only easy if you know the answers, aren't they? So they could be hard or easy. So the questions are, number seven, what is a doe? And it's spelt D-O-E. Um, so what is a doe? And question eight, what is a group of lions called? They don't just call it a group of lions, do they? What is a group of lions called? So there you go. Uh, so that is all of the questions. So all of the questions together are one how many legs does a spider have two what is the name of the fairy in peter pan three if you freeze water what do you get four what color are the stars on the american flag five what do caterpillars change into six how many pairs of wings does a bee have and seven, what is a doe, D-O-E? And eight, very lastly, what is a group of lions called? So there you have it. The entire quiz. Get your answers in. How exciting. Who's going to be um, able to answer all of them? Well, we're getting answers in already. Um, so, <laughs> I know quite a few of you have answered some of them at least. So, right. Um, shall we, shall we um, answer... Benjamin's impossible question. Now, he sent this in question in a couple of days ago, but it's taken me um, a little while to 
sort of research it uh, properly and get the answer. So let us see what question Benjamin asked. So Benjamin asked, can we swim in ice cream? Bit of a weird question if you ask me and I don't know whether my answer is going to um, make Benjamin go and have a, a little dip in some ice cream. <laughs> I think you'd get rather sticky wouldn't you? But anyway let's have a look. What did I find out? <sighs> Could I swim in ice cream? Well imagine that the world's biggest ice cream has melted leaving behind a big puddle of ooh strawberry and vanilla and chocolate gloop thicker than water and much more delicious <laughs> but could you swim in it well do you know what some scientists have also asked this question to find out that team of scientists added buckets of something called guar gum to the water in a swimming pool. Now guar gum is an ingredient that makes ice cream thicker. It made the liquid in the pool twice as gloopy as water. Now I thought when I first saw this question I thought Wow, somebody, what a weird question to ask. What a weird question to think about. But obviously these scientists thought of it first. How weird. So obviously not quite such a weird question after all. <laughs> so once they'd added the guar gum to the water, or to, yeah, to the water in the swimming pool, next the scientists found some really, really excellent swimmers and challenged them to dive in. <gasps> and amazingly, the swimmers found that they could paddle just as quickly as swimmers in a normal pool. How amazing. Although it was harder to move their arms and legs because the gloopy liquid didn't move out of the way as easily as water does, with each push of their hands or feet, the ice cream mix pushed back much harder than water, sending them forwards with much, for much more force. So this shows that you could swim in ice cream if you melted it first. But don't try this at home. It's much more fun to eat it. So, Benjamin, thank you very much for your very, very interesting, impossible question. And I hope that we answered it perfectly for you. You could swim in ice cream, but it's probably best not to. <laughs> Imagine getting all sticky. And just eat it. Just try eating it. What do you think? Yes, I think so too. <laughs> so if you have an impossible question that you would like me to answer, then send it in. And we will try our hardest to find the answer for you. So...
<laughs> uh, right, let's have a look. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. My, my computer's going a bit haywire. So there we go. There we are. Um, right, so fun fact of the day. <sighs> what shall we ask? <laughs> so the fun fact is about yesterday we found out which planet you would find uh, diamonds on. Well, today we are going to find out which far off planet or what are you more likely to find raining down on some far off planet. So we have got the answers A, rubies and sapphires, B, pieces of cork, C, rocks and pebbles, or D, shards of glass. Ooh, well, I hope it's A, because rubies and sapphires sound brilliant. Let's have a look. So if you were to travel through space at the speed of light for about 1,000 years, oh my goodness, you might happen upon a Jupiter-like exoplanet that's about 16 times larger than Earth with the catchy name Hat P7b. And this supersized planet, possibly known as Hattie to its friends, is so close to its parent star that it can reach baking temperatures of around 1,900 degrees centigrade. Hattie is so massive that she has a really dense atmosphere, giving rise to violent weather systems such as powerful winds and catastrophic storms. Not a place you choose to go for an intergalactic holiday. <laughs> Especially not if you've got to travel a thousand years to get there. This crazy planet is so hot that minerals on its surface are turned to vapour. And the vapour rises high into the atmosphere, forming thick clouds which are blown violently across the sky. Now one such mineral is aluminium oxide, otherwise known as corundum. And this happens to be the same mineral that produces rubies and sapphires. So when the conditions are right, you just might find sparkling red and blue gemstones falling as rain. <gasps> Wowzers! If you thought Hattie was hot, that's nothing compared to scorching Corot 7b, an orange dwarf planet that is 23 times closer to its parent star than Mercury is to the sun. Maybe they should have called it Scorching Carrot. <laughs> so Scorching Carrot is so close to the star it orbits that it's what's known as gravitationally locked <laughs> meaning that the same side of it always faces its star. Oh, wow. So our moon is also 
gravitationally locked in its orbit around the Earth, so we're always looking at the same side of it. If you don't believe me, take a look at the night sky next time there's a full moon. You'll notice that the smiley face of the man in the moon always looks the same. Unless, of course, you go to Australia or another country in the southern hemisphere, in which case he'll appear upside down. But wherever you go, you will never see the dark side or the back of the moon. Anyway, because Scorching Carrot is gravitationally locked, the side that is always facing its star is a bright and blistering 2,600 degrees centigrade. Oh my goodness. While the other side is in perpetual freezing darkness, just a little bit chilly at minus 220 degrees centigrade. Oh my goodness me. So what about the weather? Well, it's hot enough on the star-facing side to melt rock. So this side of scorching carrot is covered in lakes of molten lava. As a result, the atmosphere consists mainly of vaporised rock minerals that condense high up in the sky to form rock clouds made of tiny particles of molten rock. And when these clouds hit a patch of cooler air, the molten rock condenses into tiny pebbles, which rain down from the heavens. Oh, but that's not as weird as what happens on exoplanet HD 189733B. Let's call him Hadrian because, well, let's face it, that's a bit of a mouthful. A huge gas planet and it's a mere 63 light years from Earth. Compared to most other exoplanet, that is practically next door to us. Not only does Hadrian reach temperatures of 1000 degrees centigrade, but high speed winds blow at a terrifying 8,600 kilometers per hour. That's seven times faster than the speed of sound. And as if that wasn't scary enough, high in the atmosphere are clouds laced with silicate particles which probably give the planet a deep blue hue. Silicate is similar to silicon dioxide which is the main component of sand and you might know already that if sand is subjected to intense heat and pressure such as that found in a furnace or in the atmosphere of a planet like this it turns into glass Therefore, when it rains on Hadrian, it probably rains shards of glass, oh my goodness, that are blown sideways by the howling winds. Ouch! You would need more than a small umbrella to protect yourself from those. Perhaps you could hide behind a wall? Hadrian's wall? (laughs) Sorry. 
Oh, so this leaves pieces of cork as the only answer that isn't a real type of rain. Ah, oh, whilst it's true that there are no planets where champagne corks magically rain down from the sky, there is an exoplanet that's so light that it's almost as if it were made of cork. TR. ES4, let's call her Teresa, is the largest exoplanet so far discovered. But as we explained yesterday, you know that everything is changing all the time and lots of different things are being discovered. Hence, unicorns. <laughs> so... Um, it's nearly twice the size of Jupiter. However, Teresa has such a low density that it is categorised as a puffy planet. And it is thought to have the same density as cork. Imagine seeing that whopper floating around in an intergalactic bathtub. <laughs> so, actually, I got the, the question at the beginning wrong, didn't I? It was... Um, the answer is B, obviously. You are least likely, not most likely. So I do apologise, apologise. Oh. Um, so it's cork. I do apologise for that. So diamond downpours, ruby rain, puddles of pebbles, gleaming glass clouds and floating puffy planets. Could it get any weirder? Maybe. Did you know that there's a place in our solar system where you might see a blue sunset? Well, tomorrow we might find that out. But, oh my goodness, I love sunsets. I think they're really, really pretty. Blue one would be really, really nice. Hmm. So, what day is it today? Da -na -na -na. It's Thursday. It's the 20th of April. And not only that, if you are at work, it's Get to Know Your Customers Day. So that's for all the mummies and daddies that work with customers. But it's also, I suppose, if you go shopping and somebody wants to get to know you, somebody who's working in a shop, because it's Get to Know Your Customers Day. So there you go. <laughs> it's also National Pineapple Upside Down Cake Day. Yum, cake. Any kind of cake is fine. <laughs> and who gives out high fives? Do you do high fives all the time? My children are always high fiving each other. They're like a little terror tag team. Um, so when one does something that they consider funny, um, then they'll both high five each other. <laughs> so, and I've got my youngest now joining in as well, honestly. Um so it's National High Five Day today. So give somebody a high five. Yay! There we go. Um, it's also Chinese Language Day. 
So apart from the people that are listening from China, can you speak? Can anybody speak a little bit of Chinese? I can't. I would love to learn, though. Uh, so maybe somebody can send me in um, just a little sentence in Chinese that I could learn. And it is Volunteer Recognition Day. So if uh, if you volunteer for anything, um, today is the day that people should recognise all the people who volunteer. So um, if you know somebody that does something and they don't get paid for it, they just go and help somebody else by volunteering then today is the day that you recognise them and appreciate them. <laughs> so, what story shall we read today? I know. We'll do chapter 15 of Daisy and the Trouble with Kittens. Yay! Here goes. So when me and Mum went for our dinner in the hotel that evening, the only thing I could think about was the kittens. They were so small and so skinny and so hungry and so under a bush beside a dustbin. I just had to get them something really nice to eat. And that's why I took loads of octopus and anchovies from the buffet. Anchovies are like tiny little fishes in slimy sauce, just right for growing kittens. An octopus is like, oh, well, little bubbly bits of uh, octopus, just right for growing kittens too, at least. Harrison said they would be when we were standing with our plates in the buffet queue. Harrison said he reckoned cats would absolutely love octopus and anchovies because they were made of fish. But then he said that he wouldn't actually be able to put any on his plate because his mum and dad would get suspicious. That's the trouble with octopus and anchovies. Children can't eat them without looking suspicious. Which meant my mum would be suspicious of my octopus and anchovies too. So I hid them under a big pile of lettuce. Then I sat down at my table with a great big pile of lettuce. And my mum's eyes nearly popped out of her head. What on earth have you got there, Daisy? she asked. I fancied a lettuce salad, I said. A lettuce salad? she said. A lettuce blooming salad? she said. <laughs> Still suspicious, I think. Hello, Derek, she said. And that's when I met Derek for the first time. Actually, I was quite pleased to meet him because it took my mum's mind right off my lettuce. How are you, Derek? said my mum, jiggling her earrings with the back of her hand and then fluttering her makeup at him like a really soppy person. Daisy, meet Derek. 
Derek, meet Daisy, she said. Oh, the trouble with extra long nostril hairs is they kind of make you look like a troll. And the trouble with even medium-sized ear hairs is they make you look like you've escaped from a zoo. Apart from that, Derek didn't look too bad. His hair was a bit grey, his nose was a bit big, but eh, his teeth were quite straight. And, well, he had a nice, quite a nice watch on. Except then he did a wink. The trouble with winks is strangers think that that will make children like them. Except they don't. As far as I'm concerned, any stranger who winks at me, a total idiot. I believe I'm going to have the pleasure of taking you and your lovely mum to dinner, Daisy, said Derek, stretching his arm across my anchovies for a handshake. The trouble with handshakes is they don't work with one hand. So I had to give him my hand to shake. After we'd done the shake, Derek did another wink. Then he put his hand, uh, other hand on my mum's shoulder and whispered, Are we still all right for Thursday? And then my mum went all soppy again and said that we couldn't wait to go out for dinner with him. Which was a lie. Where would you like to go? asked Derek. I know a lovely little Spanish tapas bar by the seafront. That would be lovely, Derek, said my mum, which was another lie. In fact, the last thing on earth I wanted to do on my holiday was go Spanish tapping with Derek, whatever Spanish tapping was. Thursday it is then, said Derek, winking at me for a third time. And then leaving us alone. Nostril hairs, ear hairs and three winks. There was no way I was going to like Derek. Do we have to go, I said, hoping that my mum would change her mind and never see Derek again. Yes, we do have to go, said Mum. Derek is a perfectly lovely man and we will have a perfectly lovely evening with him on Thursday. Um, except we didn't. Thanks to the kittens. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <gasps> well, well, well. <laughs> Chapter 16 might tell us why they didn't have a perfectly lovely evening. I am quite looking forward to seeing that, finding out exactly what happened next. So we will find out next time we come back to Daisy and the Trouble with Kittens. I really enjoy these Daisy books. They are really good fun. Um, so I am looking for, by the way, um, some 
uh, Horrible Henry, is it? Horrid Henry? Something like that. Um, I'm looking to see if I can find the first one um, and see if we can read some of those. Um, I haven't managed to find the first one yet. They are quite expensive and I don't want to um, just get one and because I haven't seen them so I don't know what they're like um, I know a couple of people have asked for them but I don't want to get them if they're not going to be suitable to read so and for everybody to enjoy so um, and I'm also looking at getting Mr Men and the New King because of the coronation that's coming up um, so hopefully we'll be able to get that and read it on the day of the coronation what does that sound like sound like good yay oh yes 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 um so don't forget the solar eclipse if you are in um australia asia or the pacific tonight or today at some point um and don't forget the scavenger hunt um, and the quiz. So they are all on Facebook. If your mummies or daddies have Facebook, um, follow the page for more fun. <laughs> anyway, um, I will see you all again tomorrow i have to go and get myself sorted for work get my children sorted for school <laughs> um and i will oh i've got an itchy eye i will see you all again tomorrow but make sure until then you stay safe take care i did that the wrong way around didn't i take care and stay safe there you go <laughs> And I'll see you all again tomorrow. So, bye for now.